Hello, you're listening to Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the editor here at PatientWorthy. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of important topics, but our discussion begins with generalized arterial calcification of infancy, also known as GACI. That's a rare genetic disorder that is characterized by abnormal buildup of calcium in the walls of arteries, which leads to issues related to the circulatory and respiratory systems. And to help in our discussion today, I'm happy to say that we have three very special guests. Liz Malloy and Christine O'Brien are two of the co-founders of GACI Global, a nonprofit organization centered around families affected by generalized arterial calcification of infancy caused by ENPP1 or ABCC6 deficiencies. Also joining us on the show today is Catherine Nestor, Vice President of Physician and Patient Strategies at Innozyme Pharma, which is pursuing novel therapeutics for the treatment of abnormal mineralization disorders such as GACI. Christine, Liz, Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And we're all very excited to have you on today and talk about the important work that you're doing. And to start with, Christine, would you mind giving us an overview of generalized arterial calcification of infancy, again, known as GACI, for people who may not be familiar with the condition? Sure. So generalized arterial calcification of infancy, or GACI, as you said for short, is a rare genetic disease that primarily affects the circulatory system. These patients have low levels of pyrophosphate in the blood. Pyrophosphate is a metabolite that regulates calcification in the body. Without this proper regulation, calcium is able to build up in the walls of the blood vessels. This can cause critical blockages, which can reduce blood flow to organs. In turn, this can cause stroke, heart attack, death. GACI usually occurs during fetal development due to a genetic mutation in either the ENPP1 or ABCC6 genes. A patient diagnosed with GACI type 1 is considered to have ENPP1 deficiency, while a patient diagnosed with GACI type 2 is considered to have ABCC6 deficiency. Both of these deficiencies can cause a spectrum of complications across a person's lifetime, with GACI obviously affecting patients during that infancy period. Newborns with GACI can exhibit symptoms such as difficulty breathing, reduced or absent pulses, cardiomyopathy, high blood pressure, or heart failure. They can also present with feeding difficulties, irritability, failure to thrive. Joint calcification is seen in roughly 30% of babies with GACI. These calcifications are frequently seen in the hip, ankle, wrist, the shoulder, elbow, knee, sometimes the fingers, toes, or even the spine. In nearly 50% of cases, babies are diagnosed soon after birth due to these symptoms. In other cases, babies are diagnosed around three to six months old after gradual or persisting symptoms. Sometimes, sadly, they're not diagnosed until autopsy. In some cases, prenatal diagnosis is possible. An ultrasound might reveal excess amniotic fluid, fluid around the baby's heart, or echogenicity, brightness of the major arteries. 75% of GACI cases are caused by ENPP1 deficiency. And in addition to GACI, individuals with ENPP1 deficiency are at risk for developing hearing loss, skin issues, dental problems, eye complications, and a rare form of rickets called ARHR2. In fact, the majority of patients with ENPP1 deficiency who survive GACI will go on to develop ARHR2. This can result in bone and joint pain, bone deformities, painful calcification of ligaments, short stature, and more. As there's much overlap between ENPP1 and ABCC6 deficiency, 
Patients diagnosed with GACI caused by ABCC6 mutations are also at risk for skin issues, dental issues, eye complications. However, there's no evidence that they are at risk for developing hearing loss or rickets. GACI affects males and females equally and occurs in populations all across the world. It's currently estimated to occur in approximately one out of every 200,000 births. Survival statistics vary greatly, but can typically be estimated to be around 50%. So that means 50% of babies born with GACI will not live past six months of age. Liz, can you tell us more about GACI Global, its founding and its mission of connecting families in this community? Well, the roots of GACI Global can be traced back to around mid-2013 when Christine and I first connected over the internet. We're both parents of children affected by GACI, and back then it was really difficult to find anybody else, other families anywhere, dealing with the same diagnosis. But we did manage to find each other through a little website called Making Contact, which actually doesn't exist anymore. And being able to contact another family dealing with the same diagnosis, the same rare disease, it just can't be underestimated. It's just life-changing. So shortly after we connected, Christine asked me what I thought of creating a Facebook group, and I immediately said yes. So we both invited any of the other families that we'd managed to find. And we probably started out, I'd say, with about four or five families in the group. And now it has grown to maybe over 82 families worldwide affected by the disorder. Then in 2013, you know, a new diagnosis meant people had nowhere to turn for support, for kind of information on what doctors were familiar with it. But now at the click of a button, you can join a support group with dozens of families who have walked this road before. You know, the members of our community, they connect, they support each other. We celebrate the victories. And unfortunately, we grieve the heartbreaks together. Back in 2018, a small group of four families from spread out all over the world came together at the Global Genes Rare Patient Advocacy Summit. And it was there that Gaki Global was officially born. The four families worked to get Gaki Global incorporated and established as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. The only patient advocacy group in the world for families impacted by Gaki or AHR2. And now Christine and I spearhead Gaki Global and its efforts to improve the lives of patients and families in our community. And Christine, can you tell us about some of the challenges faced by families in the Gaki community? There's a broad spectrum of challenges faced by the families in our community, depending on so many factors, such as geographic location, doctors' willingness to collaborate with experts on the condition, level of education around the disease, local support systems in place, and more. For families with infants diagnosed with GACI, it can be an emotionally exhausting marathon. Typically, the baby's in the NICU and parents may have to be away from home for an extended period of time. If they have other children at home, they can be torn in two directions. Sometimes doctors aren't familiar with the disease and don't know what treatment options to offer, if any. Other times, doctors aren't willing to accept guidance from or collaborate with experts on the disease, which can be really frustrating for families. For families whose children have survived GACI, but have gone on to develop more of the complications of ENPP1 deficiency, or for children who have survived GACI but suffered the effects of stroke or heart attack, parents are often managing a lot of medical appointments and therapies. For older kids, this can mean a decent amount of school is being missed. Then you're trying to help get them caught up on the schoolwork they're missing out on. Parents are also managing daily medications, which have to be given around the clock. 
there's this misconception that this is a disease that only affects infants and that once they survive that critical period, they'll go on to grow up and everything will be just fine. But the fact is that this is a lifelong progressive disease in most cases, and it requires the proper follow-up and medical management for the rest of their lives. The older patients in our community typically deal with significant joint and bone pain, which affects them on a daily basis and hugely impacts their quality of life. This joint and bone pain is often progressive and typically begins in the teenage years. These patients develop something called calcific enthesopathy, which is when calcification occurs in the tendons or ligaments. It can be extremely painful and, like I said, progressive. It limits range of movement, motion, so our adult patients are frequently coping with chronic pain issues as well. And there currently is no approved therapy for ENPP1 or ABCC6 deficiency, but Enozyme is working to change that. Catherine, let's turn to you. Can you tell us about Enozyme Pharma and the work they're doing in the area of abnormal mineralization? Yes, I'm happy to. So we are a Boston-based clinical stage biopharmaceutical company. We've been around for about five years now. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary, and we really operate under the mantra of four simple words. And those words are rare patients and rare solutions. So what we're really trying to do is find a treatment for which there is currently none for either ABCC6 or EMPP1 deficiency. And so with that, really all of our work is focused in those two current patient populations. And we've been working very closely with the GACI community to move that program forward. And yes, with this community being such a small one in particular, help us understand how Enozyme works with patient communities like GACI Global to understand the needs and challenges that they face. Yes. So that's a great question. And honestly, we couldn't do any of the work we are doing without the support of the GACI community. Liz and Christine and I and, and other members of the community collaborate in as many ways as we can possibly do. So we've published and conducted studies together. We just had our one of our first papers published, which was a great milestone for us. We invite the GACI community, particularly Liz and Christine, to provide feedback to our clinical trial designs and to the protocols that we're developing. We try to support them you know, in, in efforts like the Worldwide Walk because the work that they're doing for the families is really just, not only is it admirable, but it's it's really just an amazing support system for families that are going through something that's just in some cases catastrophic. And so we want to support that in as many ways as we can. And just having their input into the work that we're doing and into the clinical trials that we're designing, you know, has really opened our eyes to some aspects that maybe we were missing and also really highlighted some important things that we should be looking at as we're studying this, this novel therapy in this patient population. Liz, can you tell us from your perspective why it's so important for groups like GACI Global to work closely in the development of therapies for rare or ultra-rare conditions? Nobody understands what living with GACI or ARH or 2 is like better than a family who lives with it every single day. We know what is important to our patient families, and we know what challenges and obstacles they're facing. So we know what would make a difference to them. So when we partner with researchers or industry groups, we can bring that unique insight to the table. We can provide feedback and protocols, parameters, clinical trial options, and more. And we can also act as a conduit between the researchers or industry groups and the patients. 
So when there's research happening or clinical trials are available, we can get our families connected to that. As we mentioned earlier, Enzyme is pursuing development of a drug candidate called INZ701. It's currently in phase one, two clinical trials for the treatment of ENPB1 deficiency and ABCC6 deficiency, as you mentioned, Catherine. Can you tell us some more about that? Yes. So those, as you mentioned, it's in a phase one program in both of those disease states, and it's in an adult population, very specifically so that we can establish the safety and the dose of the drug before we go into a pediatric and an infant population, which of course is a much more vulnerable population. So those studies are progressing very nicely. In the meantime, we are working with regulators in both the US and the EU on getting our pediatric programs and more importantly, first and foremost, our infant program available to patients as quickly as possible. And so that's really the big milestone that we're pushing towards getting the drug so that the population that really needs it the most can get it as quickly as they can and in a safe and controlled environment. Another important topic for everyone here is newborn screening. September is Newborn Screening Awareness Month, and it represents a stage at which many rare diseases are first identified in a family's life. Catherine, I understand that Enzyme has a partnership with the Rady Children's Institute for Genomics Medicine, working in concert to advance newborn screening. Can you talk about that partnership and why newborn screening is so important? Yes. So... Newborn screening and being able to diagnose infants as quickly as possible is not only important to Inazine, but it's more important to the GACI community. These families are going through just these unbelievably difficult situations. And in some cases, they have no idea why. And it can take years to get the right diagnosis. So when we had this opportunity to join the consortium with Rady Genomics Institute, It was a no-brainer for us. We partnered with them, with the rest of the consortium. And what that consortium is going to do is to really scale newborn screening so that we can uncover, you know, many rare diseases, not just EMPP1 and ABCC6 deficiency, but at some point, possibly thousands of rare diseases. And this really aspirationally would replace the current newborn screening program which varies from state to state, has a limited number of diseases included. And to add a new disease to a newborn screening program, not only takes an incredible amount of money, but more importantly, takes many, many years to accomplish. And so the goal of this consortium is really to change the paradigm for how newborns are diagnosed with rare diseases. I'd like to talk about one aspect of this partnership in particular, which is the BEGIN NGS program. It starts with newborn genomic sequencing to help identify genetic diseases and connects parents of newborns with the doctors and treatments that they need. Can you tell us more about that program and Inazyme's role in it? Yeah, so it's the beginnings program, as I I mentioned, and Inazyme is a founding member of this group, and it's made up of members from patient advocacy, from pharma and biotech, from researchers, from children's hospitals. And so it really, what the plan is, as I I mentioned, is to start to scale this. It's in a pilot situation right now where we're going to be looking at the program in in a small number of institutions with with a smaller number of diseases just to get it scaled and just to see, okay, how much is required here? What will the cost be? 
you know, what diseases should be added over time. And then that's also going to be connecting those families to the physicians who can actually treat the disease that their child is diagnosed with. And so the ultimate goal is if you can get the patient diagnosed very quickly and get them to treatment very quickly, you can really change long-term outcomes. Survival being, you know, of course, the most important, but you can also change morbidity over time. And so that's really the aim of the consortium and, and those that are driving it. And Liz, what advice do you have for parents who find themselves facing a gacking diagnosis for their newborn? Well, firstly, I would tell them to get in touch with us, you know, build your support system, both locally and virtually. Ask your baby's medical team a lot of questions. And if you don't understand something, ask them to explain it again. Have your list of questions ready every time you see your team to ask what you need to know. We can connect you with other families who know what you're going through for support. And most importantly, don't give up hope. There have been advancements in GACI research during recent years. This includes research by the National Institutes of Health, the NIH in Bethesda, Maryland. And we can provide you and your medical team with the contact details for a medical geneticist there to help provide you and your doctors with more information. One of the first things that I do when a physician reaches out to me to say they have a new patient with EMPP1 deficiency, my first communication back to them is to give that physician Liz and Christine's contact information. And I say to that physician, here are some of the co-founding members of GACI Global. They're moms who have children with this disease as well. They will be a wonderful support system to this family. So please pass that along. So I feel like one of the most important things that I do in my job is to get these families connected to Liz and Christine because they just, you know, they need that support so much. And, and if not for Gacky Global, you know, I'm not sure where they would possibly get it. Christine, can you talk about the importance of raising awareness of Gacky within the larger rare disease community? There's still so much that we're learning about this condition. The disease was first described in medical literature in 1899, yet we've probably learned more about it over the past 15 years than in all the decades prior, and there's still so much more to learn. There are times when patients in our community have been misdiagnosed with another condition, sometimes for 20, 30, or more years. And when these patients finally received the correct diagnosis, there's this feeling of relief. They finally understand what has caused so many of the issues they've been struggling with. Living with a rare disease can be an isolating experience, but by raising awareness, we can empower patients, researchers, and doctors to better understand the condition, potentially leading to more correct diagnoses, more research into the condition, and better treatment options. We always like to leave our listeners with resources where they can check out more information. So I'd like to split this into two parts. Liz, if somebody wants to find out more information about GACI Global, ways that they can get involved or any upcoming events, where's the best place for them to do that? Well, they can check out the GACI Global website for the most up-to-date information. That's G-A-C-I-G-L-O-B-A-L.org. And you can sign up for our newsletter right there on the website. We're also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up Gacky Global. Our annual fundraiser, the Gacky Global Worldwide Walk, is also taking place this month. This is a three-kilometer walk, and we walk for our survivors. We walk in memory of the people we lost. We walk to create awareness. And we ask people to walk with us. 
So people can help by fundraising or they can make a donation. We walk for the patients of today and we walk for the patients born with GACI in the future. Now, Catherine and the team at Inazyme have been wonderful supporters in the past and still are this year again for our worldwide walk. And the team has offered to match everything that their team raises again this year. So we're really grateful for that. The link to the Worldwide Walk fundraiser is on the Gaki Global website, and it's going to be in the show notes of this podcast episode too, I believe. Okay. And Catherine, if somebody wants to find out more about Enzyme Pharma and the work they're doing in the areas of abnormal mineralization and newborn genetic testing, where's the best place for someone to learn more? Yes, they can come to our website at Enzyme.com. And if they are a patient seeking patient resources, there's actually a patient resource page right on our website, which is a great place to go. If they are wanting more information about the clinical trials, they can go to enzymestudies.com. If they have interest in free genetic testing, we have a free genetic testing program through Prevention Genetics for anyone who needs a diagnosis of EMPP1 or ABCC6 deficiency, and they can find that information on our website as well. Okay. Well, Liz, Christine, and Catherine, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today to introduce our audience to the important work being done at Gaki Global and Inazyme. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Of course. And if you'd like to learn more about Gaki Global and the ways that Enzyme Pharma is helping to support their important mission, we will leave those links in the show notes of this episode for you to check out. And remember, you can always keep up with the latest in rare disease news by visiting our website at patientworthy.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Patientworthy on those platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It may seem like a small thing, but a review or rating really does go a long way toward helping us out. Finally, if you have any questions about the podcast or perhaps an idea for a future episode, you can get in touch with me by sending an email to Colby, that's C-O-L-B-Y at patientworthy.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you once again to Liz Malloy and Christine O'Brien from Gacky Global and Catherine Nestor from Enzyme Pharma for joining me on the show today. And as always, thank you for listening. 